Hello everybody, welcome to Logic Drain. This is the show in which we talk about random shit and make it fun for us. I'll see you there. Hello everyone, welcome to Logic Drain. I'm here with two very special people. Those being Groovy Fox, who you've met before, and a new addition to this, Vixen Gold. Say hello, I guess. Hello. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, Vixen, you're a new one here. Anything you want to say at all? Or... Um, no, not too much. Um, just excited to be here. Good to hear. <laughs> Alright, remember to check out Groovy Fox later. You'll see both of them around uh, most of the time. Uh, you can follow find them on Twitch, YouTube, so on and so forth. Anyway, yes. so if you guys don't know, uh, for some odd reason, considering it's going to be into the title of this, we're going to be looking at serial killers. Specifically, serial killers in real life compared to in movies, in which they are a lot more well thought out at times, or they're a whole lot more stupid. ups and downs I guess so uh, do you guys want to start with any specific one or shall we just Uh, let's start with game yeah I think that's a good idea so Ed Gein right yes right so Ed Gein was a real life Norman Bates obsessed with Contacting his deceased mother, he was driven to kill, mutilate, dismember, and body snatch his way through small agricultural community of Plainfield, Wisconsin. So, he had two admitted murders, so far as I know at least, and his method was shooting. Uh, he would usually kill people that resembled his mother and basically create household items out of it. For example, aprons, lamps, bed sheets, clothing, even costumes out of those people, because he thought that he would be getting closer to his mother. So, some weird stuff there, but it's also an inspiration to a lot of characters, per se. Groovy, would you like to touch on that? Or Oh yeah, it's interesting that while Gein himself also being a serial killer, when was he active, like in the, I believe it was the 40s uh 50s yeah. actually yeah like the 50s yeah <clears throat> you know for someone that was active in the 50s you know it's interesting to see how much more we would know about him if forensics would actually been as advanced as it was back then especially with just the not just the crime scene investigation but as well as the psychology but it's yeah it's interesting that a lot of the elements of Edgeen actually get taken over to other characters, fictional characters like Leatherface or like Norman Bates. But then you usually don't hear as much about Ed Gain the man, like the actual yeah. murderer. It's just kind of like it's funny because I believe there's a film, one of the films about Alfred Hitchcock where he's talking about making Psycho and he kind of says that you can't make a killer that looks like Norman uh, Ed Gein because he looks like Elmer Fudd's cousin or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 
you know, and the pictures that you see, and it's like, you know, but then you read about like some of the stuff that he's got going on, and it is, it's straight out of a horror film. Yeah. Uh, Vixen, would you like to say anything? Or... Um, well, I mean, I agree with Groovy, um, being that he definitely inspired a lot of movie makers. Uh, he was the inspiration, I believe, or one of the inspirations for Hannibal Lecter. Uh, and quite a few, actually. But, I mean, the gruesomeness of his crimes were really what shocked people at the time. Because basically his first murder, um, Marianne Nichols, you know, he pretty much... I'm not sure if this is appropriate, but he they said that, you know, they he pretty much hung her up like a deer and then he took out her uterus, bladder, and other yeah. organs. Yeah. Yeah, it actually says uh if you guys don't know, I'm reading out of a book for a lot of this. That's where I got a lot of the uh information as well as other sources, but a lot of it is from the book because it does so well in explaining all this. It says somewhere around here that there was a decapitated woman, I believe the owner of a drugstore or mm-hmm. of a bar or something. Very, very similar things, obviously. But regardless, she was hung up, decapitated, and her head was actually found inside. But what had happened to the body was she was hung up like uh, from her ankles like a deer would be and was basically mutilated very, very thoroughly. Yeah, just looking at like some of the artifacts that they found just going by Wikipedia, like some of these hits on here, just glancing at a couple waste baskets made of human skin, female skulls with the tops sewn off used for cups, a woman's head in a burlap sack, uh, nine vulvas in a shoebox. Wow. <laughs> and a skull that was shaped into a soup bowl. We can't forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> a belt made from human female nipples. Wow. Oh. And a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, I guess, in place of a little bobber that usually dangles on there. Yeah, and another thing was, uh, not people, not many people know this, but he was actually a big part of the whole craze for shrunken heads in horror movies. Because he had, uh, let's see, was it nine of them on his bedroll? Uh, let's see. In the bedroom, there was a row of nine shrunken heads on the wall, including Mary Hogan's, and there were skulls on the bedposts. Yeah, that was plenty of fun for the cops who had gone over to investigate. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some interesting crime scene photos right there. See, I can just imagine them walking in, being like, Oh, well, we'll probably just leave anyways. He's perfectly fine. He's only slightly unstable. Oh, my God, there's a body hanging from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Then it's, like, probably one of those situations. Like, it's like, have you ever been in a hoarder's house? And the more you look, the more you find. I can imagine. It's kind of like that, except with human body parts everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, there were, I believe, nine women from a graveyard inside of his house as well when the cops asked if he had fucked the bodies because for some reason he said no they're far too disgusting for that <laughs> oh yeah they smell too bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's not particularly something you would expect coming from a guy that would kill people <laughs> so well no but uh, what's really not really known about Gein is that his mother um, well, he had a, a brother, um, older, I believe, 
and uh, his mother actually kept them confined and actually kept them away from social interaction Um, so they were very socially awkward and um, really the only interaction they got from was going to school and they even dropped out of school very early because their uh, their father died of alcoholism so I mean you know he initially hated women because of his mother's influence so that would make a lot of sense yes and uh, on top of that uh, George Gein the father had died in 1940 uh, of cirrhosis cirrhosis yes thank you in 1940 Henry Gein died fighting a brush fire a few weeks later so that was well supposedly yes but that's what most of the evidence leads to regardless uh, that would be one heck of a funeral two people if not three nah two within just a few weeks of each other then five years later sorry and then five years later Augusta Gein his mother died uh, from a stroke yeah so yeah 45 yeah it's crazy like I said it's interesting imagine how much more we would know about him if the forensic investigations were as advanced back then as they were today oh yeah there'd be so much evidence about what he actually did now for the inspirations uh I'm going to list them off here. It said, uh, 1959, Robert Blotch wrote his novel Psycho, uh, and uh, Gein was kind of considered to be a slight inspiration for it, but it was mostly because it was mother-driven. Uh, we can't tell if it was directly based on that, but oh well. After that comes Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill, and Leatherface in Texas at the cha- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know why I said of them. Anyways, those are three examples where Gein had a pretty big, or two of them are pretty big, and one of them is so-so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as Texas Chainsaw Massacre goes, I believe it's the older bro. It's funny because everybody remembers Leatherface, but in reality, you know, it would probably be closer to, like, Drayton. Which is like the older, smarter brother, which actually, when thinking about it, he kind of even has more of a resemblance to Gein as well, you know. But it's really not so much like a story about Gein as much as they just take like some of those really ghastly kind of ghoulish elements of his crimes and kind of transfer them over, maybe for shock value or whatnot. But then again, at the I don't know. They used a lot of actual human bone, like not human, but they actually used a lot of real animal remains. When they actually decorated that, stuff, I heard it smelled the high heavens when they made that movie underneath all those lights. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Should have done it in winter if they didn't. It would decompose <laughs> less quickly. And it would be bit. far less stinky. Save money on refrigerated sets. <laughs> if anyone else has anything to say, uh, go ahead now because we're about to move on to the next one. No, I'm no, good. good. Right. So I think we should probably move on to someone 
who everybody should know, a little, not really a little, uh, the man who was never quite caught, also known as Jack the Ripper. So, he had five known murder victims, and his method was throat cut and uh, mutilation of the body. So, he was never caught, and what had happened was, or at least supposedly, he had actually come up with his own name and given it to the police because they had terrible naming systems. And he mostly targeted prostitutes. Now, there are many movies about this man, or more woman, but we all think it's a man, so, oh well. But there are yeah. many, many, many Just uh, accusations about who it is and many movies and novels created. Oh, yeah. I would say that probably the whole fact that he was never properly identified just left this big open door for anybody's interpretation. I would imagine that's probably one of the reasons why we've seen so many. Plus, he was just really famous. There were a lot of active serial killers back, you know, in those years. You know, he was at the, what, the turn of the century. So, you know, there were definitely a lot. And the more you look into it, the more you realize that there were a lot of active serial killers out there. And he's also kind of inspired a lot of others, or at least a lot of others were kind of named after him. But yeah, it's like, just thinking about like the his interpretation in fiction, it's kind of like, where do you even start? Because I would say like every couple of years, there's some version of Jack the Ripper coming out just because that mystery still draws people in. Or at least that's my, how I see it. He became a boogeyman. Yeah, he's like a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Is he, you know, like how real is he? He could have even, for all we know, it could have even been multiple people. I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah. And that's the fun part about it. On top of that, he was so infamous that they had actually created a whole new category or name for the people who were studying him called Ripperologists, I believe. That sounds like a heavy metal band. <laughs> Probably. I'm trying to find this. Because uh, I, I, I know if I don't get the name, like, I, I'll, it'll haunt me forever. But, um, do you guys have any comments on him so far? Or. No, it's just, it's always, it's funny. The, the thing about Jack Ripper is, again, because he's not identified, it's like it's always bouncing back and forth. Like, was he just a butcher? Was he like a doctor? Or was he like a military person who had experience with like, uh, like performing surgery, like on the field? Like, there's just so many question marks left over that, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's one of the reasons. Like, it just kind of, he leaves this looming shadow because he's just this big question mark, you know? And he's obviously, he's dead. And it's always been kind of a, insane to me that like how many people will try to still even now going back for like forensic evidence for this crime these crimes that are like a hundred years there were a hundred over a hundred years ago <laughs> yeah yeah the 1880s so you're talking 130 years ago wow You know, it's kind of funny because I actually used to have one of these quote-unquote ripperologists back in my uh, class as well. So I would hear all about him frequently. So Yeah. 
Mm. Fun. Yeah, and then every couple of years you think you hear from somebody else that says, oh, well, they've identified him. You know? It's so interesting. Like, I'm a big fan of the movie From Hell. I mean, you know, see, they're like in the film from hell. It's like when they get to that scene where they have the big reveal. I mean, spoiling it for people who haven't seen this movie, it's been out for a while anyway. But just Ian Holm, he just doesn't seem that menacing. But like when the switch goes off, it's kind of like the scene in Lord of the Rings, like where Bilbo is so nice, but then like when he goes to grab for the ring, like, you know, like you just see that switch go off in his head. And like he's just like the polar opposite of how he was for like the rest of the film. And it's just, it's insane. Like, it always kind of catches you off guard because it's just so sudden and so, like, powerful, you know. But uh, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Again, my question is how how much notoriety would some of these, would they have less notoriety or more? Like, if we had today's technology and what we know about people and crime scenes and psychology back then, would he have kind of achieved this notoriety? You know, that's an interesting question, I like to think. I think it's just that mystery that he wasn't caught. They don't know. Everybody can write a book about it, trying to figure out who it is, you know? It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Vixen, do you have anything to say about this? Well, to be perfectly honest, I don't know too much about Jack the Ripper. Um, You know, I mean, there's lots of, like Groovy was saying, you know, people like to assume and and definitely the mystery of who he or she is is, is probably what makes uh, him one of the most infamous and well-named, you know, sequence serial killers out there. Uh, a lot of people, you know, have mimicked his, his viciousness for sure. I believe one of which we also are going to be talking about today, if not two. Yeah. And then it's like when you think about people mimicking him or people getting other killers getting compared to him, it's like, you know, there's just looking at it. It's like the Dusseldorf Ripper, the French Ripper, the Camden Ripper, the Blackout Ripper, Rockout you know, Ripper. like, yeah, the Rostov Ripper. It's like another point that was interesting that. Another point that's interesting that I didn't really think about was because at the time they were saying that like printing was becoming really readily available. So like he was like the first media phenomenon where people were just constantly writing about it, like in the press and stuff like that. Because before that, like the technology really wasn't there. So like there was a lot of printing presses were getting really prevalent at the time. So like anybody that wanted to talk about it or write about it could just start printing out pamphlets and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about that. He was like the first, not the first serial killer, but like the first famous serial killer of like the industrial revolution. (laughs) Yeah, and on top of that, there's also the huge amount of letters that came in from all around that area even outside of that area claiming to be him even though it was not and and that's that's a big problem with with these because it happened in Zodiac, it happened in BTK, it happened in so many like murder cases, even Ted Bundy and 
don't worry, that'll probably be the last time that we talk about him, but regardless. Anyways. Yeah, um, media sensationalism is, you know, really detrimental to, you know, crime investigation. Uh, just one more thing that I actually found really interesting about Jack the Ripper that I forgot to mention. Did you know that they actually suspected Lewis Carroll at one point, the author of Alice in Wonderland? Wow. Yeah, yeah, he had, um, it's been proposed as a suspect based on possible anagrams in his work. Of course, the theory's not Mm. taken seriously, but yeah, they were, he was a suspect. Watch him be actually the Jack the Ripper, but no one knows. (laughs) So, do you guys think we're all done with this topic? I might need to move on. Yeah. Right. So let's move on to someone who was actually inspired by him. Everyone should kind of know him because he was also very infamous or famous for what he had done. And he's none other than the Zodiac Killer. So. He had five identified murders, but 37 claimed murders, and his method was shooting and stabbing for the most part. Now, this man was incredibly smart in what he did, because he had done something similar to Jack the Ripper, in which he had evaded the police almost completely. There was a singular occasion where he had been spotted, but was never found or at least uh, profiled. And so, there have been, I believe, two or three uh, photos of him off of descriptions from survived victims. And two of them, I know one of them is somewhat real. The other one was of the same person who had described uh, who described the first one. But since it was going to be the exact same. They ended up just describing the person who was taking the actual character or whatever. So that one was kind of fake. And nowadays, it's really difficult to tell which one is which. So now that that person out of the way, the self-named Zodiac Killer seemed to murder for publicity alone. He was the twisted mastermind and press officer for a one-man campaign of terror on the streets of San Francisco during the late 1960s and early 1970s. So, yeah, it's fun. But there is a bit more, not really mystery, well, I guess it is kind of mystery, but another fun part where he would actually send letters containing uh, hidden notes and scripts and everything. Uh, that they had decoded. Not even perfectly either. A lot of it is still iffy, mainly near the end. But on the other hand, it does give a lot of reference on why he did it and what was going on. So I don't remember exactly what he was diagnosed with by all these kinds of people, but um, basically what he had just said to summarize is I'm in control of things and that everyone who he kills will be slaves for him instead of another life. So that was apparently his motive at the time. I don't know how accurate it is, but that's what he had said. Regardless. Anyone else have anything to say? Uh, not 
Not too much. Not too much about Zodiac. Again, he's just another one that seems like another page. Well, I guess, yeah, he did take pages out of Jack Draper's books because he sent the, sent the letters to the media and tried to use the media. Like you said, like that was like almost like his primary motivation. It wasn't really probably not a sexual killer because a lot of them really are. But like he just seemed like he just wanted the attention from the media. Like I believe he, he named himself. He came up with his own symbol. It's kind of crazy how they media plays a part in actually kind of making some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vixen, how about you? Yeah, I mean, Zodiac's definitely one of my more famous, uh, favorite serial killers, if that's weird to say. Um, uh, but really just the mishandling of his uh, whole crime spree is probably the most shocking. You know, you probably had, because he, you know, he was all over California, so we're talking probably four or five different um, uh, like police investigations and being that police you know they don't talk to each other so a lot of people you know a lot of things got messed up evidence got mishandled they actually feel that his the fingerprint that they had in the blood from whenever he shot his one victim um, they feel that that was just a misprint of someone who was reaching in the cab so you know who knows how many people were how many suspects were let go on a fake uh, on a not a fake print but a wrong print yeah crazy think that they could like even nowadays and they have su- what they suspect to be dna samples from him from envelopes like from looking stamps on envelopes but i guess that wouldn't really hold up in court because i mean they could just get someone that licked a stamp <laughs> you never know i mean it's crazy though it's it's you know if it, it's one of those ones where i don't think i don't really think that you someone like that can get away with that nowadays we'd like to not think that that would happen with the way the cameras are everywhere and dna is advanced so far but yeah it's just crazy nowadays it would probably be somebody to just broadcast on social media websites or something like that yeah Mm-hmm. Well, their main suspect, Arthur Lee Allen, um, they actually believe his main uh, objective was to kill, um, oh, who was the first? Uh, uh, Darlene Farron, I believe her name was, who he had kind of a thing for. He actually lived like, I think, like a couple doorways down from where she worked. And, and um, you know, the other ones were just random killings to kind of throw off the, the police. Mm. Yeah, uh, hold on, let's see. Da, 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 da. Sorry, I'm trying to find the uh, the name of that first victim. Uh, he's named Zodiac. Yeah, basically, he taunted everyone and killed a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't believe it was the first one. The first ones were um, young men and a woman, uh, David Faraday and Betty Jen- Jensen. I believe, and then Darlene Farron and um, Matthew or Michael Mayhew. Michael Mayhew ended up surviving, uh, but they were shot in a car. Yeah, and he he was the actually the one who um, years later identified Alan as um, I believe it was in the nineties in a lineup in a photo lineup. Hmm. Huh. 
Ah, yes, here we go. The first victim was uh, David Faraday, and he was shot in the head from close range as he sat in the car and died later in hospital. Uh, let's see. Betty Lou Jensen was shot five times in the back of the head. She tried to run from the killer and died at the scene. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's another interesting thing to really consider about the Zodiac is how vicious he was towards his female victims. Um, if you take Matthew Mayhew, he survived and, and um, Darlene Farron didn't. He definitely focused more of his rage on her. Cecilia Shepard, she was stabbed, uh, I think it was four or five times. And then um, oh, I can't remember the name of her boyfriend or fiance at the time uh, at Lake Baronessa. And, uh, you know, so Brian he. And Cecilia Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, he definitely focused more of his violence on his female, you know, obviously. So he had some sort of uh, issue with female, females in general. Yep, not just obsession. Because if you remember, uh, he had actually sensed of his note that he had believed that all the people that he would kill would be his slaves in the next life. So what might be happening is he's killing females because he likes them more than males. So that could also be very well a factor of it. Very true. Mm. So, anyone else have anything to say about this one before we move on? No, I don't have much much to say about him. I mean, you know, he's got a couple, like, claimed up to 37 murders, but only five confirmed. So that's just kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just, yeah, it's crazy. I like to think that people like this can't get, wouldn't be able to get away with something like this nowadays. But I mean, if you had real, no real, like just going and killing completely random people, it'd be really difficult. But it's just, I don't know. It's like mind boggling how it's like they have DNA samples from the leathers and stuff like that, and they still weren't able to narrow them down. Apparently, it wasn't conclusive. The DNA didn't match Alan from what I'm reading here, so it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people think that just if you get the DNA, you can find exactly who they are without actually knowing them, they're getting them first. And that's not mm-hmm. exactly the case. What they do is they compare DNA, or at least from my experience, they compare DNA of the sample and the person who's there with them. So say that I had murdered somebody and they grab my DNA from the scene. If I don't show up, mm-hmm. They can't find out it's me unless they grab another thing of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people have that misconception of thinking that that's not how it works and that you can just get the DNA and then immediately know who it is when in reality you actually have to go out and find them. Yep. Yep. I can't think of too many, um, like, Groovy, can you think of any movie characters based off of the Zodiac? Um, yeah, it was the, uh, oh, what was it called? The Town of Fear It we made, t- they even did a remake of it, like the tech, kind of like the Tech Arcana Moonlight Murders. Right. Yeah, by an identified serial killer, kind of usually portrayed as going around with a mask and stabbing and shooting people. 
It kind of the film that was based on the murders was actually the town the dreaded sundown it has a lot of similarities to it and probably took some of the inspiration probably from the zodiac as well oh yeah now that i'm thinking about it the town the dreaded sundown does have a lot of similarities to zodiac yeah and I know they like the first film was like doc kind of I guess it was like a doc more of a documentary style and then they did like more of a uh, straight up kind of horror movie remake a few years ago. I haven't seen either one of them, but I am kind of familiar with them just because even like the guy on the bot on the cover of the film or DVD like he just has a really striking this guy with like almost like a sack on his head, you know, mm-hmm. has a very kind of similar pose to him as um when you think of the zodiac and think of like the drawings i'm sure you kind of everybody kind of remembers like the drawings of him because at least he was smart enough to wear a mask for the most part yeah yeah, yeah no it's it's crazy and of course then you have the david fincher film zodiac with robert Downey jr and um, jake gillenhall on it as well and where he's uh i forget what the guy's name is who plays the suspected Zodiac. Is that actually Alan, who was the fellow from the Drew Carey show? Uh, I have no idea. I haven't seen this, so... <laughs> okay. Then, yeah, I mean, Drew, I really Drew don't Carey's have too brother much. was portrayed as uh, Lee Allen, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. I love that movie. It's a good movie. Highly recommended. Mm. All right, all right. Not sponsored, by the way. I don't know why I would be sponsored at all. It's not like I want to on me. Anyways, uh, aside from that grudge, we're going to move on to one of, I believe, Groovy's favorites. Oh? Can you guess who it is? H.H. H. Holmes. No, that's mine. Oh. <laughs> right, so it's Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal. He had 17 murders, and his method was strangling, I believe, gay men. Yep. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I I don't know. Do you want to go into... You want to go into Dahmer? I'll I'll comment once you're done with what you have to say. Yeah, I'll just introduce him, and you can go off as much as you want, because I know that you love this guy. Oh, yeah. Well, besides that, he might eat you if you do love him. But oh well. <laughs> um, so Jeffrey Dahmer was allowed to kill and kill again because he was white and polite. Because this was back when racism was huge. You know, 1991. The, that that kind of stuff. Anyways, um, and because police preferred to keep their distance from the domestic affairs of gay men, so that's that's also <laughs> it. Uh, if the cops had meddled just a bit more, they would have actually revealed the sick crimes of this monstrous killer much sooner. Mm-hmm. So, Groovy, you can continue on with that if you'd like. Oh, yeah. It's just like this kind of perfect mix, like almost like a perfect storm for him to operate in, you know, operating. I mean, I've never been to Wisconsin, so I'm not exactly sure how seedy it is. But it's like you just have like the gay community, which is like a lot of communities kind of distrustful of the police, especially at the time. (laughs) And like they kind of like to keep closed doors and stuff like that. And I know I just recently heard about another killer that pretty much went around without 
being checked just because nobody wanted to come and name him. But yeah, it's just crazy that he would just dissect people's bodies and like he's like a just just ghoulish. <laughs> you know? Just just the way that he just went around just pulverizing people's bones and freaking dissolving their bodies in acid, just flushing them down the toilet and just the whole keep them alive as slaves and it's like when you look at some of the lot of the people like a lot of them seem like they would be pretty ineffective people like in any professional like Rummer had a couple of weeks of in the military you know he wasn't completely dysfunctional in the world like a lot of the time that people seem to think you know it's just crazy man now just I, yeah no no if you have something else to say i this is completely unrelated to what you're talking about for right now I go ahead all right so on top of all of what groovy said this a bit more that's actually kind of a little bit of a fun fact i guess he's the only uh serial killer i know to actually id himself like give his id to the police this was uh his first like openly known victim which was a black man or boy uh who was actually walking around uh, in the streets buck naked like drunkard kind of stuff and two black women had gone up to him uh and called the police and everything saying that he was talking about this man who was who drugged him and took him back to his apartment and was like torturing him and shit and they told the so the police officer came over obviously prejudiced um, and Jeffrey Dahmer, by the time they got there, Jeffrey was actually down there, uh, bringing the, the black kid back to his apartment. Uh, and the two women rushed over to the police officer telling them the story of what had gone on. And Jeffrey Dahmer had gone over and said that this was his 19 year old boyfriend who had got drunk after they had had a row. Uh, and he was quite polite and reasonable and showed the officers his ID, which gave his name as Jeffrey Dahmer. So, he's the only person I know that has ever given his name and ID to somebody. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, seems like there's a lot of points where they could have caught Dahmer, too. I mean, usually... Like, I, I, I can't imagine being in the military and them getting discharged. Like, like apparently he sexually assaulted other officers, like other, other people while he was in the military. And he was a registered sex offender. <laughs> it's like, how do we, how do these guys, like, you know, like I said, it's like a perfect storm for him to just slip through the cracks and just be able to do what he wanted to do. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, it's just mind bottling boring young like young gay guys to pose for nude photos 13 year old boy fondling a 13 year old boy jesus christ yeah, yeah and then fucking them and then eating them but oh well yeah yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> skip over the little the little blurred lines right there but um yeah so this guy was also killed in prison 
which doesn't really happen to most of them, but oh well. Um, do you guys want to go into that or shall I? About him being killed in prison? Yeah. He was beaten to death with another inmate, I believe. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Not a good way to go, but it, I mean, kind of deserve yeah, really. it. I mean, yeah, especially considering the uh, he had targeted mostly uh, after American Pope. And what had happened after that? Well, an African-American folk had found out that Jeffrey Dahmer had mostly focused on the African-Americans. So he took it upon himself to kill him. Yeah, he said he was told by God. Really? God told me to do it. Yeah, um, what was the name of the guy who did it? Um, I can't think of who did it. Can't come to my head right now, but he claimed God told me to do it. And he received two more life sentences for Dahmer and the other gentleman that he bludgeoned yeah, to death. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, Dahmer really just—I mean—he preyed on at the time two of the, you know, I mean, gay and mainly African American. I mean, I think all—I think um, the young gentleman who got out of his apartment. Um, was of Asian descent, but mainly he did prey on the African American um, community, the gay African American community, and, and I think at the time the Chicago police just unfortunately really didn't want to be bothered. Yeah, like I said, it's just like he, how many times did he pass through the system? You know, like he should have gotten, he, he, like, you know what I mean? He should have gotten put up permanently not been back out on the streets on parole or anything like that well i know he definitely got through 16 times to answer your question but like because considering he got caught on the 17th yeah. yeah well an interesting little fact about um jeffrey is his uh, uh, his abuse by his you know um mental abuse by his mother his mother had yes there you go severe anxiety um, multiple suicide attempts she actually took his younger brother and left him alone in the in his house i believe at a young age i want to say about 14 or 15 years old he was living on his own um he had extreme alcoholism he you know classmates of his remember him bringing alcohol with him to class um his dad who was a scientist at the time recalls uh picking up old like small animal bones and putting them into a tin and recalled how much Jeff liked the sound of the bones hitting the tin. And then um, I believe one time during a chicken dinner, I believe I read this once or saw it in a documentary, he asked his dad what would happen if they put the bones into bleach. And (laughs) his dad told him and showed him actually and that was the method he used in the in the killings to preserve the the human remains Hmm. so be careful what you teach your kids huh (laughs) (laughs) that's not entirely true but the whole like upbringing thing uh regarding the uh careful what you teach your kids thing because a lot of serial killers had or at least a few of them had really good upbringings and they still yeah. turned out serial killers really 
Very true. So, yeah. Yeah, the pathology of serial killers is a very interesting subject. Um, I mean, really, it's it's been delved into, but I think there's still so much to go on, still so much to research. You know, nature versus nurture. Do, you know, do, are they born that way? Are they made that way? Is it a combination of the both? Yeah, it can be all three. It can be one, the other, or a mixture. I yeah. mean, sometimes some of these things seem like they're born with some wires crossed, and then you see some of them just when you hear about their where they came from and why they do it, you know, it seems like, all right, you can see why someone would just finally snap and be driven to this. And some of them are just totally insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because really it's like, what makes one person, I mean, I mean, sure, yeah, Jeff was abandoned and, and, you know, suffered a lot, but I mean, I'm sure he's not the only one. He's probably one out of like 10,000. You know, why that one out of 10,000 that turned to such an extreme violence and the others probably just, you know, either maybe some sort of violence or nothing. Aha, I knew it. Sorry. Uh, on the topic of the good upbringing things, that kind of stuff, uh, there's actually one of them who is pretty well known as well, named Dennis Ratter. Oh, the one, TK. <laughs> yeah. There you go, the BTK killer, which stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. So, yeah. he, had, well, he, a character. he had a great upbringing. And then he had his first children, and shit went down here pretty much. He was taking people's houses, kill them, cut the phone lines and everything, and basically bind them, torture, and kill them. Yeah, like whole family. Whole families. Uh, there was one of them, actually, who had their house broken into twice, if not three times, and uh, had their scarf stolen sent back to them in the mail with a letter from B- uh, from Dennis saying be happy you weren't at home because I was Ugh. it's terrifying Ugh. yeah yeah. it just makes me want to crack your pants kind of <laughs> moment I mean I think it's kind of funny in a way because uh, he he's actually playful enough to send letters back to people who weren't there and kind of be like, hi there, you're safe now. <laughs> His letters were actually what got him caught. The idiot. Uh, actually, what got him caught was he had sent a disc after asking well, the police a- whether or not they could get him. Yeah. A disc. A disc letters. His, his um, narcissism is what got him caught. Yeah. Oh, and they were, he was like, you're not going to be able to figure out who I am, right? And what are the police going to be like? Yeah. No, they're going to be like, no, of course not. Send us the information. The, I mean, at the time, they couldn't. But uh, while he was creating and sending it, there was a breakthrough, which they didn't send out yet, where they had found out how to do it before he actually sent it. And they didn't tell him about it. That's why shit went Oh, down. I didn't read about that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I did some extra research on him because he was cool, I guess. 
Also, he was also inspired by uh, Zodiac and Jack the Ripper. So. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely see that, and some of the, just how he kind of tries to interact with the people and stuff like that. The ones that definitely try to manipulate the media and things like that. It's just, it's crazy. It's really interesting, and now it's really scary to me. It's just the way that media has changed so rapidly in the last five to ten years. You know, it's gonna. How long is it gonna be until we're gonna see someone that's just a serial killer that's just gonna be live streaming random murders, making an account? You know, it's like something from like a, like a, a, you know, like fiction, but. We're probably closer to it than we are further away at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the fun part. Knowing that nowadays we're more prone to these kinds of people than we were back when Jack the Ripper was around, because we have all this like all these kinds of things where you can basically hack into someone's house from the laundry machine. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's scary to think about from your doorbell all the way down to, like, laundry machine, then your entire house circuitry. Like, they can cut off the power with, like, a flick of the switch. And just like that, you're screwed because now you can, now you're prone to die, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, people have those locks that are, you know, controlled by the smartphones and... You know, how hard would it be to someone who's savvy know how to hack into those and then they're in your house? Yeah, yeah. The sad part is I have a friend who's like, oh, all this technology is great, where, like, soon they're going to have colonization on Mars and then there's going to be flying cars. And I'm like, how long will it take for someone to take advantage of that and kill as many people as possible? Because mm-hmm. if that car is hovering, that means it uses magnets, which means electricity, which means that it has to be hooked up to a power grid, which could easily be hacked. Yep. Mm. Not to mention the fact that uh, nowadays, you can control a car completely just by hacking it. So, yeah. Fun. Kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. I just realized we got off topic, so let's get right back on topic with one of my favorites. Herman Webster Mudgett, also known as Dr. H.H. Holmes. Yeah, that's a serial killer name right there. If you've ever heard of one, you know your kid's going to grow up to stab somebody when you name him Herman Webster Mudgett. Powerful mustache, though. Yeah, yeah. They cursed him from the beginning. Now, mm-hmm. so this man had 27 men murders, but he was suspected of over 200, and his method was asphyxiation with poison gas, for the most part. And this part, or not this part, but this guy is my favorite because he was the creator of the the death hotel per se. Basically, what he did, he created a giant castle where. Well, a hotel, really, but he basically just created a castle with all these secret passages, like uh, uh, elevators that led down to the basement, or mm-hmm. chutes, basically, uh, doors that led to brick walls, uh, gas pipes leading up to use natural gas and everything, uh, stairways that led to nowhere, all these kinds of things, and 
no one really cared. Everyone still slept there and went there regardless. And that's what's kind of funny to me. Like, all these people were disappearing from there, and yet people still went there to stay. Until he burned it down. It must have had a really good Yelp review. (laughs) (laughs) Only good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this was in 1860, by the way, and... What originally got uh, Mudgett in your homes, in this case, into uh, serial killing was insurance, actually. He was a successful doctor, pharmacist, and businessman. But this facade concealed gruesome and macabre secrets. I don't know how to pronounce that anyways. Regardless, he had a lot of secrets, and he was basically killing people, stripping them of their muscle and skin and nervous system and all that, selling the skeletons to university professors and doctors and all, and then boiling the flesh in acid, and then selling their clothing off in the black market. On top of this, he would create inventions or quote-unquote inventions that never really worked. Uh, He would basically uh, eventually use poison gas or natural gas to kill people inside of his hotel and he would frequently uh, create all these kinds of things for tax evasion and insurance fraud for example (laughs) one of the things he did later on when he was first uh, getting close to being discovered he burned down his hotel which he had spent so much money on for insurance after killing or after gaining uh marrying two women and getting their land killing them both then taking the insurance on them and selling them off then he was caught but like yeah he would do things like this Yeah, he actually um, killed the man that um, Benjamin uh, Pizzle, I believe his name was. He was a carpenter Uh, uh, with a criminal past, and Holmes basically used him as a tool. But what was crazy was uh, Pizzle was going to fake his death so his wife could cash in on an insurance policy. But Holmes actually ended up killing him for real. And then kind of manipulating his wife into letting him be responsible for, I think it was two of her three children. And then he ended up basically killing her two children. He, he stuck them into a large, uh, a large chest, put a hole in the chest, and then um, basically suffocated them, asphyxiated them with uh, the with gas, with gas, like yeah. a natural gas, yeah. Uh, likely carbon monoxide or trioxide. Hmm. Yay! All right. <laughs> Smothering children. Yeah, that's always a bright topic. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. John Wayne Gacy did all the time. I mean, what? I didn't. I didn't, I didn't say anything. You're crazy. We don't speak of pedophiles on here. Definitely not. Um, it's okay. This is uh, 18 plus thing. It's an adult channel, anyways. Regardless, so uh, Mudgett had actually done all this crazy shit and then 
his last remaining child, or Pizza's last remaining child, uh, had actually identified Benjamin Pitzel's body, which uh, convicted Holmes or Mudget of over 200 murders. So, yeah. Hello? Still a problem. Huh? Yeah? You guys still here? Yep. I'm here. Did you hear what I just said or did it like cut out? No, we heard you. I heard you anyway. Oh. Okay. Well, that works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man. That was definitely a character. But I mean, again, someone like this couldn't, you, you just wouldn't be able to operate like this. This is like back then where he's like, oh, well, if we pick out the insurance claim on it and the body's bashed up a bit, you know, they're not going to look at it any, they're not really going to look at it. It's like, no, the insurance companies wanted, still wanted to keep that money. <laughs> uh, yeah, on top of that, yeah. sorry, on top of that, they used to do that where they wouldn't really care. Until yeah. they got like a little bit of research done, found out that he had claimed insurance, uh, I think over 1,500 times. Yep. And then they were like, you know what? Let's try this instead. We're going to fight for this and not give you the money. In fact, we think that Benjamin Pitzel, Pitzel, Either way, uh, since he had gone missing, this might be his body. So they had done their research and brought in the daughter after uh, Holmes or Mudget had said, no, no, it's not. It's uh, one of my relatives. And um, his daughter, or Peitzel's daughter, had actually identified the body and gotten convicted. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, he was definitely a character. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we're off of my list now. So, what we're going to do, I we're going to cut this episode, and then we're going to move on to the next one where we discuss the psychology side of everything, and probably relation to movies more often. So, I'll see you all then. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you.